Good Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayishlach. So we have the story of uh, Yaakov and his children uh, interacting with Shechem. And the story is that Shechem and Chamor, they take Dina and they, uh, they grab her, they kidnap her, um, and then we know what happens. We know that they ask them to get a bris, and after the bris, uh, they kill all them. And the story in the Torah goes that there's sort of an argument between Yaakov and Shimon and Levi. Yaakov is very disappointed in this. He says, what are you doing? You can't act like this. And the brothers, they respond with a, a little bit of a cryptic language. Should we, should we allow them to turn our daughter into a zona, into a prostitute, into a harlot? And it seems a little bit of a, of a dramatic thing. Why, don't, why doesn't it just say that, uh, look, they did, they did wrong to us, that's it. It seems like there's a little bit different. Also, something that's uh, a little strange is somebody who's a victim would not be considered a zona. Uh, a zona is not somebody who's a victim. A zona is somebody who is loose, is 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 purposely acting in a uh, degrading fashion. Not somebody who's unfortunately the victim of a crime. Why would they say hakizona yases So the Ksava Kabbalah says something fantastic. He says that if you do a careful read of the psukim and you hear what Shechem and Chamar say. They are acting with a, a classic psychological manipulation, which is called gaslighting. Gaslighting is when you convince or try to convince somebody else that you know how they're thinking more than they know how they're thinking. <clears throat> that you ascribe to them a way of, of, of thinking, and you, you make them question. They say, oh, this, is what I th- this is what I think. No, no, that's not what you think. This is what you think. I know you better than you. That, that's gaslighting. And when you listen to the story, Shechem and Chamar are saying, you know, we, we love her and we want to take her in, and they imply that she loves them, that this is what she wants to do. She wants to be part of this family. And the brothers are telling Yaakov, you know what? If somebody wants to mistreat us, then that's one thing. You want to mistreat us? You want to do something wrong? Okay, we'll deal with the consequences. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll defend ourselves. But this is way worse than that. This is that according to them, they are so, they're so delusional that according to them, it's not shot that they did something wrong. It's that they've convinced themselves and therefore are trying to convince us that Dina is not a victim. That Dina wants to be that. Says Yaakov's children, Shimon and Levi, you're going to turn her into a zona. You're saying that she purposely, she's after, after you kidnapping her and mistreating her, that she now wants to be with you? You're turning her into a zona. You're turning her into wanting to do this barat zone. That's something that we cannot tolerate. <clears throat> and therefore, they go out and they, and they kill. And obviously, this has uh, 
very strong implications for what goes on today is, uh, you know, the Arabs come and they want to kill us. That's one thing. Obviously, we're going to defend ourselves. But it's a whole different level that we're seeing where on social media and all over uh, the UN and, and, and universities and everywhere else, they start telling us who we are. They try to give us labels. No, you guys are you guys were bad from the start. You were just looking for an excuse. Oh, really? Okay. Should we, should we believe that? Should we not? And so this is a, a classic case of gaslighting. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, we see that this has been part of our history for, for thousands of years. And that, that, that's sort of where we take a stand. You want to do bad to the Jewish people? Okay. That's one thing. You want to now try to convince us that we're the bad guys and give us a label. This is what we're really thinking. When we don't, no one, no one in their right mind who's actually Jewish is. That's what they're thinking. No, thank you. You have no right to give me a label to, to to tell me who I am. You 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 could be who you are. You want to be a terrible person? Fine, we'll deal with that. That I think is the the idea over here. Okay, so let's jump into a story. I heard a story from uh, Rav Penny Shulman, a Rav uh, a Rebbe here in Baltimore. And he said that he has a brother-in-law who's in medical school. And um, <clears throat> somebody was taking them around on one of their, uh, somebody was sort of leading them, them, you know, through the hospital. And he's giving them instructions. He's teaching them one of their rounds. This guy is, is Indian. And he, he stops and he says, you know, I, I want to tell you a story. Tells the whole group. He says, I always tell this story. You guys are about to become doctors. He says, you know, I was, uh, you know, I came here from India. I had very little money. And he said, my, my mother, she had issues with seeing and she was going blind and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And so, you know, we, we finally put together $600 and we went to go see an expert in, in Brooklyn. And he says this guy was a uh, Hasidic Jew, and he, he he checked her out. He asked me what I was doing. He he was able to see sort of that we were recent immigrants, and you know that it was a big deal for us to to put all this money together. And at the end, he was actually not able to help her. And you know they handed the check, and this Hasidic Jew, this this doctor says. He says, he turns to me, he says, look, you're, you're going into medicine. He says, I, I want you to remember this. And he, he rips up the check. He says, you know, somebody is going to need your services who really can't pay. He says, pay that forward. And, you know, I'm not going to charge you. And, uh, you know, complete stranger, I'm not going to charge you. And, you know, maybe pay that forward to somebody else at some point. And this guy, uh, whatever it is, 15, 20 years later, is uh, he's telling this story. He's telling this story that the essence of being a doctor is not, uh, you know, just the healing, is the, the empathy, the kindness. Uh, and, and, and he remembers what a Hasidic Jew did for him uh, 20 years before. So I think that's uh, just a beautiful story about Kiddush Hashem. And uh, <clears throat> something we're all well aware of that... The world is looking at us. Okay, so here is a Shiloh. <clears throat> Rav Zilberstein uh, throws out the following Shiloh. It goes like this. 
Uh, we're dealing with Hanukkah. Hanukkah is coming up to the following Shiloh. Somebody is lighting his menorah. He lights the first candle, lights the second candle. Um, and he, uh, as he's lighting, he's up to, let's say he's up to the fourth candle. As he's lighting the fourth candle, right before he sees that the first candle already went out. And that happens sometimes, right, where you, you, you sort of uh, put the wick, put the candle on, the, put the, the fire on the wick, and it seems to light. And then, you know, sometimes it, ne- it never really sort of took hold so well, and uh, it goes out. And so the question is, what should he do now? <clears throat> There's a few different options over here. What should he do now? Should he just keep lighting the fourth and not even go back to the first? Um, should he light the fourth and then go back to the first? <clears throat> should he go back to the first now and then light the fourth? So a lot of different studium over here. Let's go. Let's go through it. At first glance, you would think that there's no reason to go back at all because the the psak of the Gemara, of the Shulchan Aruch, is kavsa ein zakakla, which means that once the light goes out, you do not have to relight it. So generally, we assume, even if it didn't, you know, as long as it had the oil, enough oil for a half hour or whatever it would be, um, but as soon as it goes out, as long as it wasn't a, you know, a pshia on your part, as long as it wasn't put in a place like where it was very windy, that, it, that from the start you could tell it would go out very soon, um, we generally say kaf sein zakakla. So you would think that's pretty simple. However, uh, the bir alacha brings um, really more of a svara. He doesn't bring such a source. But he, he brings in uh, Tafri and Gimel, he says that as long as you didn't finish lighting the zakakla, you still have, he, he says as long as the mitzvah is still ongoing, you're still in the, in the process of lighting, at that point, we, we do say that really you should go back and light. So therefore, uh, it's not so simple over here because you are going to go back to, to lighting within this small amount, this window of time, you would go back and relight. So this is, uh, now becomes a question. So you see the fourth, you say, oh, let me go back to the first or should you keep lighting the fourth? And the question is going to be, uh, Really, a question of ein mavir and ala mitzvos. In mavir and ala mitzvos, we do not let mitzvos pass us by. Uh, so let's go through this a little bit. So the Gemara Menachos Tafsamach Beis says that when it comes to um, cutting the wheat for the the mincha, um, the the Gemara says the Mishnah says that it's mitzvah lahavi mekarov. The mitzvah is to bring from the closest stalk of wheat, and the Gemara says that's because of the rule of ein mavir and ala mitzvos. That is because we do not want to pass up mitzvahs. If you have one uh, one stalk, you know, ten feet in front of you, and one stalk thirty feet in front of you, uh, you know, why would we, why would we pass up the ten feet uh, in mavir and don't let it don't let it pass you by? Okay. So Tosas brings though that there's a gemara in Zvachim, which seems to need a pasuk. The the pasuk tells us that uh, when you sprinkle the blood of a carbon, um, you should sprinkle it at the at the West side, right? Why? Because that's that's the side that you were you were on when you were bringing it up. So the Gemara brings a pasuk there, and the question Tosas asks is, why do you need a pasuk? Why don't you just say Ein Mavirin? Wherever you were, that if we know that's where you're standing, Ein Mavirin should teach you that you have to sprinkle over there on that side. Why do we need a pasuk 
to teach us that. So Tosis says, Tosis says that really Ein Mavirin is only Shaykh, it's only possible, it only becomes applicable when there are two distinct mitzvos in front of you. Okay? So if there's, I'm going to do this or this, that's what we say, Ein Mavirin, don't allow this to pass you up. Okay? But uh, if there's only one mitzvah, so uh, th- then that this rule does not apply. However, um, it's it's not so clear. First of all, the Mogan Avram in Kufmem Zion, he brings a bunch of cases where it seems like Ein Mavirin applies even by one mitzvah. One of them seems to be our case of the Mincha. The Mincha is one mitzvah. You're just deciding, should I do it? You know, should I grab from something 10 feet away or 30 feet away? So it's very hard to say this rule, um, to, to say such a rule. Okay. Now the Birche Yosef, the Chida, he's discussing, I think, uh, sort of a common case. He's discussing a case of where somebody's talis, uh, their Shabbos talis is closer and their weekday talis is further. Um, and he says, so maybe we should say Ein Mavirin, right? So we're talking about on a weekday and you want you really want to go to your weekday talis, but the Shabbos talis is closer. And so the question is, well, it, there's only one mitzvah here to do. The mitzvah is talis. The question just is with, you know, which talis? And in that he says, you know, according to Tosis, so we don't say it by one mitzvah, so it should be fine to just walk past your Shabbos talis to go to the weekday talis. However, like we brought from the Mogan Avram, it's not so simple. And Birch Yossi wants to say that when Tosa says, Ein Mavirin is only within one mitzvah, he actually, he doesn't actually mean that. He says what we're really referring to is that um, we don't say Ein Mavirin to be Koveya Amakom. So within one mitzvah, for sure there is an Ein Mavirin. It's just that we don't say Ein Mavirin to say you need to do it here and not there, that, that the closest place Right, that we don't say in Mavirin for, that, and that's why the you know the Gemara needs a pasuk when it comes to uh, where to sprinkle the blood. However, um, within one mitzvah, we do say in Mavirin. Uh, Yosef gives another answer, which also is uh, is good to know. He says that really in Mavirin should only apply when you technically have plans to do both mitzvahs. I would do this and this, but, uh, you know, this this one's closer, so now we'd say in Mavirin. If you have absolutely no intentions to do one of those mitzvahs now, we don't say in Mavirin. And so the Chidah says that uh, when it comes to your Shabbos talis, your Shabbos talis is, is no shaykhis right now. It's not, it's not connected at all. It's the weak, and you have no plans of using it. You absolutely could walk past. You could walk right past it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, according to everything that He's saying so far, it would seem that they're coming out that within one mitzvah, within one mitzvah, we still would say in mavir and al mitzvahs. Going back to our case, when it comes to the Hanukkah candles, you're right now by the fourth. So maybe we say in mavir. And if you say that within one mitzvah, we don't care. So then we'd say, fine, you could go do the first if you want. You could go do the fourth, right? But if you say within one mitzvah, we say in mavir. And so right now you're you're on the fourth, and that would be the appropriate thing to do. Um, he brings just a, a, an interesting addition, right? That, that the Ta is very clearly 
says that we that we care about in Mavir and uh, Mitzvah when it comes to Hanukkah. The Taz is talking about which way to light, and he says that wherever your right hand is, um, if it's if it's all the way to the right, he's talking about in Shul. So then you have to light that first because in Maviran you can't take your right hand and then swing it all the way to the left side and skip over those all the way on the right. The Mishnah himself is uh, is choshesh for this, and the Mishnah says, well, usually we do light from left to right, but the Mishnah says to be worried about the Taz's idea. He says a person should station themselves sort of all the way to the left before they make the bracha, so that even if their right hand is being used, it, it immediately hits the left side first, and then they sort of move on with it. Um, so again, there's clearly, we do say in Maviran within the uh, context of Hanukkah, of the menorah, and therefore uh, we should not interrupt the fourth nair. Um, he just sort of brings at the end an interesting idea from the Das Torah, who says, you know what, within one mitzvah, he sort of argues with all of this, and he says within one mitzvah, it's really not Shaykh to say in Maviran, and listen to his proof. His proof is, he says, otherwise... Every time you walk into a base medrash, you'd be chayev to pick up the first sefer you see, which sounds absurd, right? If you're in the middle of learning something else, uh, oh, but the first sefer, therefore, in Mavirin. He says, oh, it must be that, uh, that, that we don't say in Mavirin within one mitzvah of Talmud Torah. So he, he would argue with all this. Very, very difficult uh, proof. You could use the, the idea of the chidah, that if you're not planning on learning that sefer, it doesn't even start. But uh, a lot to talk about, Gishmak Arade, and everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos and a good Yom Tev Hanukkah.